The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria, the Buddha Loka Centre, here for the Monday night guided meditation. And it's very nice to be here for this. Uh, the group meditation. And for those that don't know me, I am Ajahn Nisarino and I'm the senior monk at uh, the monastery, Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And uh, I ordained with Ajahn Brahm. About, uh, now it's, uh, I'm in my 25th year. This is my 25th Vasa. How amazing. <laughs> Where did the time go? And uh, for, for many of those years, 14 of those years, I was in Sri Lanka. So it was a very special um, experience and living in a cave for eight years as well. So that's just an introduction to myself. And as usual for the Monday night meditation, we have an introduction and then we have uh, a um, guided meditation, usually for about uh, 45 minutes around there and then some time for any comments, questions, or complaints. <laughs> so so that's the usual format for the evening. And so it's a, it's a, today I thought uh, for the theme, I always like a theme for the meditation, but first of all I'll ask, are there any people who are new to meditation here today? Anyone new? Right. Never meditated before? Little bit. Have you had some experience? A little bit, yeah. Um, because you know, obviously, you know, sort of uh, to give a really good introduction to meditation is. I think you'll follow this quite well, but uh, just to give uh, give an idea of you know for an introduction, really with the meditation, what we're aiming to do first of all, is to calm the mind down. This is really important because our minds are very agitated all over the place. <laughs> this is really great when you sit in meditation, you realize what's been going on. <laughs> Oftentimes people say to me when they sit down to me, oh, I couldn't meditate at all. It was really, my mind was all over the place. I was thinking I wasn't meditating. And I said, that's what's actually going on all the time. So this is your first insight <laughs> into the nature of the mind. And so very important quality, a very important aspect of the meditation is that calming. And when we calm, of course, we want to keep the awareness bright as well. Sometimes when people calm, and it's very natural if we've had very busy lives, very busy day, sometimes when they're calming the mind down, then they become dull and sleepy and take a bit of a rest. <laughs> but they usually come out of that. And that's to be expected because many people, most people actually, have busy lives. So this calming aspect of the meditation, we often use the breath, but always with mindfulness. It's mindfulness of the breath, isn't it? Mindfulness of what's happening in the present moment. That's usually the object for the meditation. With the calming meditation, the idea is that we have one object and by focusing on that object, allowing the mind to focus on it, it's a very important point. Many meditators, they force their minds 
onto the object. And uh, that forceful approach doesn't really work. It's not sustainable because the mind will just get tired, it'll get tense, um, and it's, uh, it is counterproductive. Meditation happens when we are interested in the meditation object. And a lot of my teaching is <laughs> about how to interest the mind in the meditation object. Because, for instance... Breath meditation is not particularly exciting, but the lovely thing about the breath, it's very neutral. So you can actually um, develop perceptions of the breath on top of it quite easily. It's very neutral. So you can, for instance, you can um, use loving kindness, this we call it metta, and give this gift of metta to the breath. And then the breath becomes quite attractive. You're breathing in metta and you're breathing out metta, the other way around. <laughs> and, and so it becomes very interesting for the mind because the natural a process the Buddha talks about in meditation is for the mind, if once it becomes interested in the meditation object, once it's able to stay with it, and there are many meditation objects, but the breath is a very famous one in Buddhism. Uh, once it stays with the meditation object, there is sort of a natural process that unfolds that there's gladness in the mind. So the mind starts to brighten up and then uh, the mind can become joyful. The mind becomes filled with this joy. It's actually, um, they call it piti in the, the uh, Buddhist language, Pali, but it's sort of a feeling usually in, it feels very bodily, you know, like tingling all over the body, waves of energy through the body. But everyone, uh, who exp if you experience that, you'll real recognize that, hang on, this doesn't happen during the day. <laughs> And so it's obviously coming from the mind. It's really generated from the mind. And so this joy comes up in the mind. And then uh, from that, the mind uh, can let go of the body. And we call this tranquility when we let go of the body because the body is a big distraction for us. <laughs> it's a big distraction. We live with it and we don't notice it. But when we sit in meditation, it becomes very obvious <laughs> that the body is really, uh, you know, something that we are distracted by, something that's uh, constantly not quite right, you know, not quite comfortable, and we have to move. And this is very, um, uh, very evident in meditation. Most of the time we're always moving, doing stuff, aren't we? And so we don't notice that, that we are moving away from this feeling of discomfort, feeling of feelings of pain. We call them, um, uh, in, in Buddhism, we call them dukkha vedana, this, this sort of uh, feeling of things not quite being right, we're not quite comfortable, we have to move. And in meditation, it's very, you know, we can see it. We, we you know, the leg goes to sleep and we think, oh, God, I've got to move. <laughs> and we do. Because, as I was saying on Saturday and yesterday, actually, the big thing that really gets us going, what's the big thing that really gets us going? And it's dukkha. 
you know, this un unsatisfactoriness, this suffering, this things not being the way we want them to be. And this is a great motivator. It really gets us, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. But of course, the Buddha is pointing to the fact that we, in order to, as it were, overcome it, is we have to fully understand it. And then we're free. We can't, once we're enlightened, we're free of it, free of it. Uh, not that. For instance, the Buddha had a body. And he had a lot of a lot of aches and pains right up to when he passed away, so he would have had quite a bit of painful feeling, and um, there are incidents recorded like when his cousin uh, Venerable Devadatta tried to kill him. He rolled a rock down uh, from a mountain, and it hit the Buddha's foot, and it didn't it didn't kill him, but it gave rise to a, an injury. I think splinters of the rock went into the foot, but he he could bear with that. He could bear with that it's a very very painful um, experience. So even enlightened beings will have pain from the body, certainly. <laughs> but once they um, once they attain, we call it parinibbana, then they are never reborn again. Then there is no. Um, uh, no bodily problems at all finished. And this is the greatest happiness. And even, even um, and a lot of people say this, and it's quite interesting, even the process of the mind can be seen as being some sort of dukkha, some sort of unsatisfactoriness, the, the process of thinking and all these things. How much it is for a, a Buddha, I don't know. <laughs> so that's the first part of the meditation. And when we get to that tranquility, for instance, when the body, um, then it's very quite, quite common for people, for the body to disappear. Um, and meditators, you know, who haven't experienced that, you know, they can get very fearful. My hand disappeared. My foot disappeared. I wasn't, could not, I was not aware of it. But of course, it, if the meditation goes very deep, the whole body can disappear, can't it? And that can be a really unusual experience. But it's also great, great happiness. Usually people who have these out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, when they leave the body, wow, that's great. But when they have to come back to it, Wow, that's that's difficult. That's you know that's suffering, especially with a near death experience, isn't it? Because they're coming back to a body that's in, you know, had serious operation or serious injury, and they're just coming back to a very sick body, as it were. So that's uh, it's not great fun for them. But then uh, somebody can realize we realize the nature of this body that it is very heavy. And uh, certainly when someone's unconscious, you feel that <laughs> carrying them a dead weight is quite interesting. So this is the next phase of the calming meditation, that uh, we get this tranquility of the body, and the mind goes with it too. But then that gives rise to this happiness, we call it sukha, and this happiness, brightness of the mind. And because of that brightness of the mind, then the mind can come together focused on that happiness. And that happiness is like a glue, a magnet for the mind. And then there is great 
uh, one-pointedness, and then the mind can go into deep meditation. It's left the body behind, and it's gone within itself. So this is this is a very deep meditation. So that's the process of calming. Of course, most meditators don't don't go that deep. If you'd go that deep, wonderful. I think, uh, but uh, and if you understand the process, it's not something to be frightened of. Or it, the trouble, the usually the other way is that people get excited. <laughs> Oh, fantastic, this is it. <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> you know, so this is important. Um, but this is the way the, med- the meditation, the calm meditation progresses. And then from that, when somebody comes out of a meditation, whether it be very deep or just calmed, the mind's calmed down, then can use that to focus on looking at the experience one's had looking at the state of the mind one's experiencing now and seeing what's not here, what wasn't there during the meditation and what's not, what's here after the meditation. And we get an insight into the body and the mind that way, in the present moment, you know, because in the, uh, for instance, one may with this, often they call this like vipassana, don't they? You may have this fear, a recognition that the body wasn't there. It's gone. And the feelings are all very, um, in the deep meditations, all this very uh, positive feelings, not, not any of this uh, dukkha, vedana, n- not any of this uh, unpleasant feeling in the meditation. But when you come out, wow, <laughs> it all changes. And, uh, and so you can see, and you can see the perceptions that were experienced in the meditation, very single, because the mind is one-pointed, not much. You, can, you don't have the past and the future in the, in the, in the meditation. It's very one-pointed. And also the very big thing in the deep meditations is that sense of I, me, I'm doing the meditation is not there. Because really the calm meditation is a process of letting go, of controlling the meditation. And, but we're very used to trying to control things, doing things, so it, it's, it takes time to get a feel for that. And uh, so that we see that and we see that uh, all the external senses uh, in the very deep meditations, hearing, seeing, tasting, and touching, gone. And, and then, of course, the recognition that, wow, this was about the happiest experience I've ever had. And I wasn't seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching. And so, that, so this gives us the information, gives us a different uh, viewpoint on our experience of the world. So that's the calming meditation and also the insight aspect, often called vipassana, where we reflect on our experience. But it's really the experience of the present moment, but also we can, it, uh, after a very deep meditation, you can see the difference between um, the, during the meditation, when you come out of the meditation, see the difference in the qualities of the mind. So that's a sort of a brief introduction to uh, the meditation. And so this is a, the sort of meditation we'll do this evening. And uh, this evening, that wasn't the theme that I was going to have. <laughs> As I say, I like to have a, 
a theme. And uh, this evening, the theme that I thought would be good was because I went for a blood test today uh, down the road at one of the path labs. And when I, when I was at the waiting at the uh, path lab, you know how we were always waiting for this and that, waiting for friends, waiting for the bus, waiting for whatever. It was quite interesting to see that the mind was very bright, very happy and alert. And I thought, wow, this is quite interesting. I'm just sitting in the path lab waiting room <laughs> with my number, <laughs> waiting to have a blood test. And this, it, it interested me that this could be the case. And I think, I think it's a, and it probably is the case for many people. When we get on planes, for instance, well, when we're going on holiday, a sense of freedom, you know, you're not doing anything. When you're waiting, there's nothing, you know, you, you don't have to do anything and you just know where you're going. And it's that, free, that feeling, for me, of freedom, actually. And I've had a busy few days, so I think that contributed to it as well. But it's very nice sitting there. <laughs> Most people would be sitting in the path lab thinking, oh, no, <laughs> not a needle, no. <laughs> Uh, but that doesn't bother me. But uh, so it was. It was a very interesting experience. But I often use that approach in meditation. You know that I bring to mind that I'm waiting, and uh, just waiting. And there's nothing I have to do because while you're waiting, you know, there's nothing to to do uh, and nowhere to go. But often. We miss the opportunity. How do we miss the opportunity of in, just enjoying being in the present moment while we're waiting? And the way we miss it is usually we try to, to fill it up, don't we, with distraction. You know, and now actually it's happening again. The, um, the places you wait, if it's a doctor's or a dentist or whatever, they have magazines again. <laughs> I saw, I saw a magazine there today. But if it's not a magazine, we're looking at the phone, isn't it? It's almost a habit, actually, for Forrest to check the phone, you know, and, and check whatever, scroll through so many things. So we're missing that opportunity of just not doing anything, just being there, taking a break. But um, the reason we do, I think, you know, fill up these in-between moments, these moments when we're waiting, is because we fear boredom. People really, <laughs> I think it's the, one of the big fears these days, of being bored. And so we try to fill everything up, you know, from uh, the moment we wake until we go to bed. So it can be useful. This perception is useful for me anyway because it's a perception that encourages me not to do anything. And there's nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to do. So it's very, can be very useful. And um, I know, uh, I listened to a talk by Ajahn Brahm about at the beginning of the rains retreat. We have the rains retreat, three-month period, where the monks and nuns uh, dedicate most of the time to meditation study and uh, being on their own as much as possible. And uh, Ajahn Brahm gave a talk at the beginning of the Rains Retreat about two months ago. We're almost at the end. Next week, next month, next Monday, uh, no, next Tuesday, Tuesday next week, 
it'll be the end at dawn. And he gave a, a talk about time in the middle, which is very similar to what I'm talking about, actually, where the present moment is in, in the middle of time. What's it in the middle of time? Between the past and the future. And the present moment is something that uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are not really um, used to, actually, not used to just because we do so much, we're not aware just of the present moment, just being here in the present moment. And so he was talking about when we're waiting for something, uh, you know, waiting for an appointment, waiting for a friend, whatever it is. It gives us that opportunity to be peaceful and to be present. And that's great. If we can use that perception, you know, this is a chance just to turn off for a little while. <laughs> Don't have to engage. And, uh, and as I mentioned, he actually Ajahn Brahm calls these in-between moments. And that's, our lives are full of them, actually. There's lots of these opportunities uh, to just do nothing for that time. And it's very hard for us to do nothing, but with these in-between moments, it almost con conditions not doing. And so it's very useful for the meditation. And, but he emphasized in that talk, he said, when we are in these in-between moments, to wait without wanting. Isn't that a great phrase? I love it. <laughs> wait without wanting. And I thought, wow, that's really good. Because wanting, desire, sometimes we call it craving <laughs> in Buddhism, is a real disturber of the peace. You know, and when we want a lot with the meditation, it really will lead to frustration and disappoint disappointment. Because meditation is about letting go of wanting. Not many people think of this, but wanting and this desire, this craving, is a great disturber of the peace for us. Uh, we think it's our best friend, we're going to get stuff that we want, and, and all this sort of thing. But it's actually giving us a lot of busyness, and in the process, a lot of frustration and disappointment when things don't work out. So this wanting, uh, waiting without wanting is, is very, very useful to practice just to let go of uh, wanting. And you see it, uh, and he mentions it too, uh, in, uh, you see it in meditation, where often and people come to me, you know, when they have interviews, we have interviews, meditation interviews, and they say, well, my meditation's going like this, but what's next? <laughs> what is what next? Uh, that question, what's that? It's wanting, isn't it? Wanting something more, wanting to something better. <laughs> Usually, it's something better. And of course, you know, the the classic answer to that is to be content with what we have, to go into what we're experiencing, not to go on to something else, not to go anywhere else, just to go in. That's where the meditation develops. So it's a uh, it's this is. And also, 
you, we can have in uh, meditation, and this will be a bit of a theme in this meditation, when's it going to finish? <laughs> People can think like that, actually. You know, so it's... a. And uh, one of the qualities that Ajahn Brahm was talking about encouraging is this patience, this just being not in a hurry, just to be with whatever we're experiencing. And this meditation really is going to be a letting be meditation. And uh, this patience very important. You know, uh, often we are impatient, we're in a hurry, we want to to get very peaceful, we want to get very still, we want to get lots of big insights, and um, so we're in a hurry. And there was an interesting thing, um, just to end with this story too, Ajahn Brahm in that talk, he mentioned one way we can be um, uh, very in the present moment is uh, by teaching that Ajahn Chah, a famous Thai monk, I think um, many people will have heard of him. He's passed away in 1992. uh, But he had, there was a man, this is a story Ajahn Brahm told during this talk. He said, this man from Sydney came to see Ajahn Brahm, uh, Ajahn Chah, sorry, in, in Thailand. So he flew all the way from Sydney to Bangkok, and then from Bangkok either on the train or maybe there was an aeroplane uh, uh, to where Ajahn Chah lived. It's, it's about, I think, 10 hours at least by train, you know, so it's uh, about an hour by flying. And then he went to Ajahn Chah's kuti. He had this, um, you know, most of these huts that they have, the monks in Thailand are on stilts, and they live upstairs. And um, But he had an area downstairs where he met people. And so this man from Sydney, I think he's a businessman, was there waiting to speak to Ajahn Chah. I hope he had an interpreter. interpreter. <laughs> and uh, he waited and waited and waited. And um, there were a lot of people. So he didn't get a chance. He'd come all the way from Sydney. And so he thought, well, you know, I've got the taxis coming in uh, 10 minutes or half an hour or whatever it was. So I might do some, go out and, uh, and he saw a broom. So he thought, I'll do some sweeping. So he was doing some sweeping and, um, you know, just sweeping the paths because this is, <laughs> this is something that happens in monastery, especially in Thailand, all the time. You know, every morning to sweep the paths clear of leaves. And uh, he was doing this, and then there was a tap on his shoulder, and he turned around, and who was it? Ajahn Chah. <laughs> and Ajahn Chah said to him, I don't know how he understood this, he, he, he said to him, looked at him and said, whatever you do, give it 100%, give it everything you've got. And th- this was the teaching this man had. And he took it back to Sydney. And this was very useful for his life. It's very useful for us because if we give 100% to whatever we do, and we're doing a lot, isn't it? We, we'll be here in the present moment. We're doing it uh, without, you know, often we're doing stuff, aren't we? And we're thinking, well, after this, I'll do that. You know, I've got my list. I've got to do this stuff and, and you know, this and that and ring so and so. We're not there 100%. We're, we may even think, well, I, I don't like this. I don't want to do it and do, you know, just a very, you know, a superficial job. 
and there's going to be negativity there. So if we give 100%, we, we are putting ourselves into the present moment. I thought, wow, that's a different way of looking at the present moment. So giving ourselves totally to the present moment. So that gives you um, an interesting, interesting perspective for the meditation. So now I think probably the time for the guided meditation. So I'll just, uh, yep. And I'll be using some of these themes that I've mentioned, so we'll see how it goes. As I mentioned, it's letting be. So firstly, we can find a comfortable posture and give some attention to the body just to make sure it's um, in a, we feel comfortable, that it feels balanced and uh, stable. You know, the, the, uh, over the, the head is balanced over the shoulders, <laughs> at the shoulder and it's always good, I like this at the moment, to remind the mind that this is the time just to be here now. And there's nothing to do for this time. And there's nowhere that I have to go. And we can let everything be for the moment. The past, let it be. Let the future be. And just wait without wanting. And enjoying just being free here in the present moment. And we can begin the meditation with relaxing the body. It's very important because it takes the mind with it if we, the body really relaxes. We can start with the top of the head, the sides of the head and the back of the head, giving those areas this warm, kind, soothing attention. Relaxing, top of the head, back of the head, sides of the head. Now moving the attention to the forehead and relaxing the, the forehead, allowing it to really relax. Moving down to around the eyes, soothing them. They do a lot of work. <laughs> Moving down to the cheeks and around the mouth and the jaw. This warm, Relaxing attention. 
And now we can move the attention to the neck, all around the neck, and give it this mental massage, relaxing it, making it comfortable, soothing the neck. shoulder starting at the neck and moving along the left shoulder, soothing and relaxing the left shoulder, any tension, any stiffness, giving it this warm, kind attention, like a mental massage. And bringing to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm all around it to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers with this warm, relaxing attention, soothing the left arm, making it comfortable. Now bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving along the right shoulder, relaxing and releasing any stiffness, any tension in the right shoulder, soothing it. Now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and moving our attention down the right arm all around it to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, giving them this mental massage, soothing the right arm.
Now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back, giving the back this mental massage, relaxing, giving warmth and soothing, particularly to areas that are tense or or, um, stiff or painful, soothing them, allowing that feeling to dissolve, relax. front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the front of the body with this warm, kind, relaxing attention, soothing any areas that feel like pressure or tightness, giving them this mental massage. Now bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention down the right leg all around it to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes and giving it this warm, kind, relaxing attention, soothing the right leg.
Now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes all around the left leg with this warm, relaxing attention. Allowing any stiffness, any soreness to soften, to reduce, to dissolve. Now we can bring to mind the whole body just sitting here, hopefully comfortably, relaxed. A sense of warmness, warmth, kindness, filling the body. We're looking after the body. And now we can just bring to mind, visualize, imagine we're somewhere waiting, just waiting. And we can let everything be, just let it be, and just wait here, wait wherever, without wanting, just to be here in the present moment. We're free of things we have to do and we're free of things of going other goings other places. We're just here waiting without wanting to change anything here in the present moment.
and we're just watching in the present moment what's happening in this body and mind. Not trying to change anything, not trying to get rid of anything, just being here. Allowing that feeling of freedom, of being just waiting, waiting without wanting to color whatever we experience in the present moment. Whether it's the body Feelings in the body, feeling the contact with the seat, the cushion, the feet with the floor, the temperature, sounds, or feelings in the mind, in the body and in the mind, aware and letting things be, aware of thoughts, coming and going, of desires coming and going, not getting involved with them, not trying to get rid of them, just letting them be. And if the mind wanders off, if you're aware of that, then we can just remember, let it be, let it be.
And now, as we're coming close to the end of the meditation, we can reflect just for a few moments on how we feel now. Was, was I able to let things be and not get caught up in thinking, in wanting, or not, just to see? Was I able to wait without wanting? And what did I learn from this meditation? Did I learn something about the body, the mind, about desire, about the present moment? And we can share the energy of this meditation, whatever we have developed, whether it be peace, some a little bit more understanding, a sense of freedom, or even joy. Share it with all those here in this hall, all those online, And we can expand the sharing to all around this hall, to all the beings, human beings, animals, insects, all beings. And we can keep spreading it, sharing it in ever-widening circles, just enlarging it all the time to cover the whole of this area, the whole of Melbourne, whole of Australia, the whole of the world, and all the different realms of existence.
And we can finish with the aspiration or intention to remember when we're experiencing an in-between moment, when we're waiting, just to let things be and be aware of that being in the present, being free of the past and the future, being free of doing, of going, just here, wherever here is. And now I'll ring the bell three times and on the third time, if you wish to come out of meditation, you're welcome. And so, if you wish to move your body, open your eyes, you're welcome. And uh, so I hope people were able to let things be, and you notice when you let things be, they get more peaceful. <laughs> and they get more still because we're not doing anything, we're not interfering with it, what's happening. But also we can get a lot of um, understanding of what's going on in the mind because we can be aware of the thinking, we can be aware of a desire to move, um, and we can be aware of an unpleasant feeling in, in the body, numbness in the leg or um, in the back, pain in the back, whatever it is. And we can learn a lot about it. And we can learn particularly that this unpleasant feeling, this is the theme of the last few days really, <laughs> is pushing us about really. But it's motivating us to do something to something good. And really our, our job is just to let it be as much as possible. Understand it, that this is the nature of experience. There'll be pleasant experience pleasant feelings in the body, in the mind, unpleasant feelings, and a lot of neutral ones too, which many people just ignore. But in actual fact, meditators don't mind the neutral ones because they're quite, they're quite peaceful, you know, nothing going on. And this idea of the waiting, just waiting, um, whether it be in a waiting room, waiting in a coffee shop, waiting <laughs> to board a plane, sitting on a plane waiting to go somewhere. Um, this, this experience is actually quite pleasant. But for many people, as I said before, they'll say, boring. <laughs> uh, or they may say, nothing is happening. And the idea is that we need constant stimulation but constant stimulation is actually just exhausting and, and not allowing the mind to take a rest, to build up some strength, to build up some clarity. Because when our minds actually rest, they, they're still, then they start to develop the peace, develop power and clarity. And that's why we have calm meditation, because without that power of the mind, 
without that clarity of the mind, what will we what will we see about the nature of reality? What will we see about this body and mind? What we just usually see, because we haven't got that clarity, we haven't got that power to look into things. And this meditation, because the mind is coming together, it enables us to go into our experience a lot, lot more. Um, and we call this, you know, samadhi, one-pointedness. And it's very, very, very important for developing wisdom if we're going to understand this body and mind. So I'd like to ask if there are any questions here. We usually say on the floor or <laughs> in the hall. Sounds like parliament when we say on the floor. So if people would like to ask any questions or any comments... Or, or complaints. It was boring. <laughs> I hate waiting. <laughs> oh, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's excellent if there are no questions or comments, or especially complaints, after the meditation. Because it means, doesn't it, it indicates our minds have actually calmed down quite a bit. And there's not that movement of the mind um, that brings up questions. That's that movement of the mind that's commenting on everything we experience. You know, this commentary that is the running commentary describing what we experience or explaining it. Or, um, you know, so all these things, or criticizing this is another aspect of the mind because the mind, you know, because of education, we have a lot of fault finding in the mind. We're often, you know, uh, very aware of the shortcomings, the um, imperfections of ourselves and everyone else in the world. <laughs> and so for a time, and this is what the meditation, when we calm the mind to, we're calming all the negative aspects of the mind, the negative aspects of the mind of wanting, negative aspect of the mind is trying to get rid of this is aversion, um, irritation, annoyance, um, also sleepiness and dullness in the mind, that's a hindrance we call it, an obstacle to the meditation. And of course, restlessness, you know, where the mind just looking for something, but it doesn't quite know what, you know, it's not this, that's for sure, <laughs> maybe it's that. And this is what drives us around quite a lot of the time. And also sometimes remorse or regret. You know, we think, oh my goodness, why did I say that? Why didn't I do that? Etc. And then the last one, we can spend quite a bit of the meditation, quite a bit of our lives actually doubting, are we doing it right? What did he say? <laughs> you know, and uh, this, of course, when we have those doubts about the meditation or doubts about our ability to meditate, it is very um, uh, disabling for the, uh, disables the meditation, it derails, perhaps that's a better word, derails the meditation. We can't go into it because the mind is busy 
um, wondering if, well, this is the right way, the correct way. And of course, in meditation, the correct way is if we're developing more peace, more stillness, we're seeing more of what's going on here in the present moment and, as a result, understanding things. And, of course, the meditation is aiming, really, to recondition our minds, to create habits in our minds, to be able to let things be, able to become peaceful, able to let the past and the future go. This is not easy. <laughs> it's not our habit. Um, and so it's a very useful um, a habit conditioning that we develop, that we can bring to our lives. And little by little, you know, when we, Ajahn Brahm often complains about the fact that he says little by little all the time. <laughs> He's always commenting about that. And little by little, we realize that it's impacting on our lives, you know, and we're doing things in a different way. We're not reacting so immediately. Um, we're able to be, to let go of very disturbing situations a lot a lot better. We're able to let go of the future, whether it be a sense of excitement or anxiety, and we're able to let go of the past much more, whether it's regret or fond, fond memories, and to be here in the present moment, which is the only moment we really have, <laughs> but we don't, we're not aware of it. And as I often mention, uh, John Kabat-Zing's subtitle for his famous book on something like the basics of mindfulness, but the subtitle is Reclaiming the Present Moment. And I think that's great. That's really good because we, we're not aware of the present moment a lot of the time and we miss out on a place where we can really rest and be free of who we were, who we will be, what will happen, what has happened, all that. We're free there in the present moment. So this is something worth developing. So Langdon, thank you very much for making this possible and also for especially for the online audience. Are there any questions from the online audience? Um, there aren't any, Ajahn. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible, because usually there's lots from online. Uh, I don't know how many people online. Um, about 33 at the moment. Gee, that's really good. Someone's just put a question in, Ajahn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What is it? Um, the question is, I wonder if Ajahn Nisarano has a theory why we find being in the present so difficult. Oh, right, right. Well, the main reason we, we have difficulty being in the present is that we're not familiar with it. We're not used to it. And also we have so much, uh, we're so much planning what we've got to do. You know, I do, I do too. I have a to-do list, you know, in my mind. So we can often miss the present moment and particularly these in-between moments where we don't have to do anything. We don't have to uh, go anywhere. And this is, this is an opportunity to really, um, you know, sort of become familiar with the present moment. And one of the reasons, and Ajahn Brahm mentioned it again, he mentioned it in, a, uh, I think, the last talk I heard from the Rains Retreat. 
He's in Western Australia, and his monastery is just outside Perth. It's quite a big monastery, about 30, 30 monks. And that's quite a lot in Australia. It's probably the biggest number in Australia, actually. But he mentions one of the difficulties with mindfulness is often when we come into the present moment, we can be aware that it's, it's not comfortable you know, the body's not comfortable. The mind is still coming to the present moment. And so it's got all this stuff from the from the past and a vague idea, well, usually quite strong ideas about the future. So we come into the present moment um, and it may feel, especially when we first come into it, uncomfortable. And uh, this is, uh, this can, you know, inc- um, discourage people from, developing that under, uh, friendship with the present moment, living in the present moment. But those things will pass um, and also we'll um, develop this familiarity with it and see it as a place we can really hang out and be free. So that's part of the reason I think people find um, uh, the present moment, being aware, mindful, um, uh, are difficult for them. And also, you know, because uh, we are so used to stimulation, aren't we? I mean, the internet's making it really even more the case. In the old days, people people didn't have such instant stimulation from the inter- like we do with the internet now. And so we're used to having a lot of input, aren't we? So when we're in the present moment, Oh, not much happening. It's, well, it's sort of, well, you know, it's sort of boring, really. And because the present moment can feel very sort of neutral, for some people they think, oh, there's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. What's the point, you know? And that's exactly the point, you know, that this is a place we can rest. This is a place where the mind can become still and become more powerful and more aware because this is where we really develop insight. Insight is always about, um, the Buddha says in one of the, uh, his teachings on mindfulness, presently arisen states, he calls it. So what we're experiencing in the present moment is the uh, source of insight. If we're not in the present moment... <laughs> It's very, very difficult. Of course, we can review our experience and and gain some insight into what's happened. But usually it's what's happening in the present moment. We can really understand what's, what's going on in this body and mind. And when we are in the present moment and understand what's going on, then we have a very good idea what's going on for everyone else. <laughs> and uh, so this is a really a useful um, understanding of the present moment. But it's that familiarity. We just don't, we don't, uh, we haven't reclaimed it. That's the reason I think uh, people um, are not, not so uh, uh, interested in developing the present moment. They want excitement, stimulation, all those things, not realizing the peace that can be in the present moment. And also because so often 
where we're looking for our happiness is out there in the world, the sights, the smells, tastes and touches. Even though people know that happiness is inside, still going out there looking for it, not in here. And mindfulness is actually like a doorway into understanding our minds and bodies, being present with ourselves. And this is like the doorway to happiness, really. And as I say, it's just that we're so used to going out there, you know, looking and, and hearing, smelling, particularly tasting, <laughs> eating, and also touches in the body. So, you know, the body contact, all the feelings through the body. So that's, that's the big reason. It's part of our conditioning. But everyone knows, usually most people, they know this happiness comes from within. But we're not looking that in that direction, we're looking the other direction. <laughs> and then we wonder why I, I don't feel happy. Or Because in the end, isn't it, we can have incredible number of experiences and then feel empty. Just is, And I always think of, uh, I, never, I was going to mention it this weekend actually, there's a famous song from the 1950s by a singer called Peggy Lee. I remember it from my childhood. And it's this song, and it's called, Is That All There Is? <laughs> and that's the nature of, you know, you try to experience as much as possible, eventually you get to the stage, is that all there is? <laughs> you can only try and intensify the experience, and, and that has its limits even, you know, make it better and better. And the more we try to intensify an experience, often the more disappointed we are. We say, oh, it was better before. <laughs> You know, so we try to make it much more intense. So that's the present moment. So that's my theory anyway about why, why we're uncomfortable or we, um, we don't come to the present moment. Right. Thank you, Ajahn. Um, there are two more questions I want to acknowledge, but I, I think it's, we're just on almost nine o'clock. Oh, God. And they're probably not simple answers to these questions. Oh, so, they're, oh right. Yeah. I'm going to sort of suggest and uh, ask forgiveness of the two people who've asked those questions, but I don't think um, Arjan will be able to do them justice in, in about one minute. What what are they? Go on, let's try it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 30, 30 second good. wisdom. Yeah. Um, first one. Yeah. I struggle with the feeling that Buddhism is nihilistic. Right. Overstimulation is a problem now, and mm. we are becoming more and more in a hurry and bored. What to do with that? Just die? That's no stimulation. Nope. Find the meaning of life. And the meaning of life is the Four Noble Truths. The meaning of life is impermanence, unsatisfactoriness. And it never was a personal thing. It's a process. That's it. <laughs> that, was, that was from yesterday too. Thank you. Yep. And the, next the one. last question then. <laughs> Ajahn, dear Bhante, what is the best way to be more successful when we are seeking to overcome Sakyaditi and the first three fetters, really? Is it possible to truly dissolve attachment to the body? Thanks. Wow, that's a, that's a big one. Is it really possible to dissolve attachment to the body? Wow, this is about becoming a stream enterer, the first stage of enlightenment. 
what's the best way? Well, the best way the Buddha said is this uh, twofold. This is a uh, hearing the words of another. This can bring um, a completely different insight into our experience. But not only the words of another, usually it's the words of another who is enlightened. So that's very important. And then for us to hear that and then to investigate it within. We call that uh, yoniso manasikara. It's going inside. It's going to the source. With those two um, uh, qualities, uh, we can become stream enterers, supported by first stage of enlightenment, by developing calmness in the mind, power in the mind, clarity in the mind, then we're ready for it. So this... That's the uh, that's in brief. So thank you. And it's exactly nine o'clock. <laughs> so that's very really good. So thank you for coming this evening. And uh, it is always a pleasure to meditate together. And uh, we have you know we get a group energy as it were. Get quite a lot of support. I enjoy it very much, and I hope others do as well. So thank you very much. And I don't think there's any announcements, are there? There's, today is Monday. Tomorrow night there will be meditation here uh, with um, Sandeep. It's silent, yes, that's right, it's silent. It's unguided meditation. Yes, that's right. Wednesday night is the uh, Melbourne Insights uh, meditation group. And then Friday night, introduction to Buddhism. And we're doing, is it compassion this week? Uh, it's, uh, nurturing away. Is it compassion? Compassion? Yes, probably compassion this week. Yes, so that's right. And then Sunday, there will be the, the, the next uh, Sunday morning, we have a program uh, talk. And. That's with Ajahn Sadra on Friday night. That's a good point, yeah. And he's giving the talk next Sunday as well. So, all right. So for those who'd like to, we can finish off just uh, paying respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. We can bow to them if you like.